Once in a while, a very special video game comes around that means more to you than words could describe. Let's finally talk about The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Come on in. everybody and welcome to the house of mario the south australian nintendo podcast that is backed by a 120 power star rating i'm your host drew agnew and the doors to episode 251 are open hope you're going well hope you're having a fantastic day wherever and whenever you are listening to the show really happy to be back cannot wait to jump into another episode of the house of mario because there's been a couple of months since uh, you know celebrating 250 and in that very episode, I said to myself, I need to be better about planning my breaks, letting you guys know where I've gone. And uh, yeah, I didn't, uh, didn't listen to myself at all. It's been a couple of months. It's been the biggest gap in the House Mario history. And um, I guess straight off the bat, I, just, I do want to apologize for that. I need to be better at letting you guys know what's going on. But I think in this situation, is a little bit more personal um, other than just something that was happening to me. And I will get into that with my discussion of Tears of the Kingdom because I believe they sort of line up very well together. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But I think for me, just in the last couple of months, I've been thinking a lot about where I want to be with the show in the year's time. When we hit episode 300, so the idea is we're going to be building a staircase. We're going to be building the third layer of the house of Mario. Third level, not layer. It's not a, it's not a shepherd's pie. It's a house. Bloody hell. Imagine if we just lived in the big shepherd's pie. That'd be nice as well. Um... Maybe not. Might be a bit hot. Do you go in it once it's cooked? Don't know. There's a lot of um, <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of things you got to work out if you've got a big shepherd's pie house, which uh, we don't have time for here. <laughs> but um, I want to be proud of where we are in, well, I guess, fifty episodes time in a year's time. If we, uh, you know, probably won't be a year's time. We've got to be a little bit more consistent for that. So I've been thinking about ways where I actually want to what do I want to achieve within the next year and make some changes to help achieve those goals. So what I've been thinking is adding some more stuff to the the podcast feed and the YouTube channel. And it will help me sort of enjoy creating the content a bit more and hopefully reflect on you guys as well, content that you guys enjoy as well. Because uh, if not, what's the point? Well, I guess I enjoy it. That's, that's, that's the point. But personally for me, after going solo with the show, and I don't know if I reflected on it last episode, but doing this by yourself is extremely isolating. And I know that's no I know that's not unique to me necessarily, but it definitely does make me, you know, sort of second guess myself all the time. And even to the point where I'm like, well, I don't think anybody necessarily uh, cares necessarily. So I don't have to say what's going on. And that's probably the wrong mindset to have. And I need to be in a mindset where I am just purely enjoying what I put out. And uh, hopefully people like yourself who tune in and listen will um, enjoy it that way. So I've um, decided to add some things to the content feed. So the main thing I'm really excited to uh, introduce is a brand new guest spot for the House of Mario, separate from the main show, separate from this show. And the idea of separating those apart is just that I want you guys to know what to expect when you jump into the House of Mario. But it's a solo show. It's going to be about games, what I've been playing, and just interact with the community that way. But when it comes to talking to guests, I want to have a space where it's just relaxed, 
fun, enjoyable. Talk about whatever we want, just you know, branching around Nintendo, of course, being a Nintendo podcast. But we can go anywhere we like, wherever the conversation takes. So I just want a nice, casual setting to be able to uh, utilize um, that space. So I'm introducing a show called Sleepovers at the House of Mario, where each week, or depending on the time of year, fortnightly, you know, it's got to work out the schedule. Um, we're going to be having a brand new guest on. And the first guest is going to be Seth Sturgill from All In, a Nintendo podcast, and Carpool Gaming, where you'll find him at the Nintendo Drive. And we had a great time, and it was definitely cemented in my heart. This is definitely what I want to be doing, um, having this guest spot open to talk to people like Seth, who are good friends of mine, but are on the other sides of the earth, and we need to actually schedule a time to talk. And um, typically, if it isn't a Mario Kart event or something on, um, we just talk over little comments over Twitter or whatever, which is uh, nowhere near the same as talking. So um, it's great just for my own personal well-being as well as just doing fun content to, to put out there as well. And um, I've done another episode of Sleepovers with Bryce DeWitt, former co-host of The House of Mario, who we did a big Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom spoiler cast. So you can enjoy that within the next couple of weeks. So really looking forward to introducing that to you. And a bit of a change to the main show, which is the numbered show, which is this very show you're listening to right now. Going to be moving like all of the news out of this and giving its own space. So what that means for this show is it's going to be a little bit more, might be a bit more quick, go a bit faster, but also take some of the bloat out because for me, like sitting down for an hour and a half, just talking without any gaps, um, can get a little bit, a little bit tiresome sometimes. So taking that out, taking like the reading in that, because like for me, when it comes to like a reading, especially maybe 40 minutes since, oh God, <laughs> brain's already shut down a little bit. And um, it lets me focus on just the games, which is truly what we're here to um, really enjoy. But I do like that aspect of the news being a big aspect of the show. Mainly because like a lot of um, gaming podcasts, they've got a lot to cover from everything that's happening with Activision, Blizzard and uh, Microsoft, everything that's happening with um, PlayStation to the PC gaming, mobile game. There's so much to cover. So when it comes to this specialized content, I really enjoy doing the nitty gritty stuff that you might not hear elsewhere. But uh, I still want to do that, but just uh, put it somewhere else. So that'll be on the main feed, but I want to keep it nice and concise maybe 10 minutes, maybe 15 or 20 minutes, depending if it's like a, a big blowout or something like that. But uh, keep that news somewhere else. So you might be able to listen to it on a commute on the way to work or maybe you're um, feeding your baby um, and you're putting it to bed because that's that's what I'm in the mood for sometimes. I need something nice and quick. And uh, podcasts, including this one, they might go for an hour and you just need something a bit quicker. So I think that will have a good place on the podcast feed and YouTube. But I've still got to figure out my format of doing that. I'm not quite sure. So... That the news and uh, encores, which I'll get to in a minute, they're very experimental. I'm going to be sort of working out what I'm going to be doing with them. So, you know, stay tuned. Um, I'll be working out how I want to do that and what would be best for the workflow and actually getting them out each week and things like that too. And the fourth thing I just want to touch on is um, encores, which is going to be a short form thing as well, but it's just going to be uh, just me talking into the microphone and um, talking about the Nintendo topic. That's uh, nice and quick. You get it into your earlobes um, without not taking up too much time. If you don't have time for, you know, this uh, this main show with a bunch of stuff within it. So there's some ideas that I've been chucking around the last couple of months. I'm really looking forward to utilizing them and seeing um, what they turn out like. But the main thing is I just want to be flexible. So if something's not working, I'll change it. If there's a certain time of year when I'm shearing or whatever, 
Um, the main thing I want to keep consistent is probably the main show, obviously, and sleepovers. And the rest can go back and forth and in between, and I can work it out from there. But it's going to be a bit of an experimental phase probably over the next couple of months. So um, I hope you join in, you become a housemate, and enjoy the ride because this is going to be fun. Um, I think. <laughs> That'll be fun. We're going to be having, having a lot of fun. We've got so much to talk about from, uh, you know, Mario Wonder, Mario RPG Remake, WarioWare Move It. Jeez, there's so many games I uh, had no idea would exist until <laughs> uh, last time I recorded. But um, here we are. That's how long it's been. We've had so much in between where it's just been a little bit crazy. But yeah, man, so excited about the future of Nintendo and even going into uh, next year where it's going to be probably a brand new system, but who knows? Maybe they'll really try and milk it. I think um, if there's no system next year, they're really trying to ring that switch, switch drive it. I mean, fair enough. It's still selling. And uh, the games have never sold better. So in some ways, not too worried about it. And even, even from an aspect um, of the power, I'm really not that concerned about it. I think uh, Tears of the Kingdom really sort of changed my mind on it. And I also got this, uh, this Asus ROG ally that uh, I've been enjoying. I haven't played it too much. I've been in a bit of a gaming rut after finishing Zelda. So I haven't played games in general, to be honest with you. But um, after having that, it's great. It's powerful. You can run like um, Gears of War 5 at high settings for like, you know, PC settings. But the battery lasts probably like 20 minutes. And um, you see like games on the PlayStation side and the Xbox side, they're taking so long to develop. So I'm not that um, that fussed if Nintendo just opts for an, a relatively weak system again. And it seems like they're going to be going for like PS4 levels of power which sounds like a pretty decent sweet spot because we're getting games every month. They might not look as impressive as um, a PlayStation first-party title, but just the the amount of fun you have with them and um, just the amount of just pure genius game design, which is in most of them, um, barring a few of them. <laughs> They're not all bangers. There's <laughs> definitely not all bangers. Um, I'm really happy just with um, the output of Nintendo this year. It's been pretty incredible, actually. From even like second party relationships with, um, you know, the Bayonetta Origins to even, um, you know, Fire Emblem. You've just had great variety. And uh, sort of capping it off now with uh, Pikmin 4, there's, there's so much to love when it comes to Nintendo. So really looking forward to, um, you know, creating content around the company and the games that they make over the next, I don't know, at least year. I'm not putting a cap on it, obviously. But, um, yes, they are the changes that are happening. And I hope, um, hope you're all going well. I do apologize for being away for a couple of months. But enough of that. Let's do some housekeeping. I've uh, got a bit of dusting to do. The toads at the house of Mario have not done an adequate job over the last month. So let's uh, let's start dusting by saying that you can support the show by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leaving a five-star review. I do check them uh, most weeks. Just, you know, out of um, see if I get a bit of a dopamine hit. See if you guys have left a review and give me a dopamine hit. And uh, it's been a while since I've had a dopamine hit. I've got, I've got the shakes. I need some dopamine. So please leave a review on one of those services. You can also watch the show on youtube.com slash idruby where I'm actually um, experimenting with putting more effort into the video. We've got different camera angles. We've got one, two, three. Um, first time trying it. So if you see it all edited together nicely on YouTube, Great, it worked. If it didn't, uh, ignore what I just said there. (laughs) 
but uh, I definitely would appreciate um, you jumping over on YouTube. I'm looking at adding a lot more clips from the show and um, introducing more stuff there. I've got a great setup, got a second camera, and um, I think it all looks um, pretty nice. I just got to learn how to put it all together, but uh, definitely appreciate that. And uh, go and check out patreon.com slash where where um, from a dollar you can get uh, access to exclusive podcasts, which I have not done for a while. So I just want to say... Um, Thank you very much to my $3 level supporters or higher. Brennan Myers, Oliver Chaston, Samuel Hay, DJ and Lemonade. Really appreciate your support. And um, if I'm going to apologize to anyone, definitely I want to apologize to you guys on Patreon who I haven't been there for. Um, But over the next few months, I will be making it up to you with plenty of exclusive stuff. So um, look forward to that. And um, any questions, concerns, please fire my way. I'm more than happy to answer them. And um, get your feedback for everything that I just laid out. All right. So let's talk about The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And at the start of the show, I mentioned that this game means more to me than words can describe. And look, you might hear that. So why are you bloody doing a podcast then? Maybe you should just sit there in silence and try to mime how much it means to you. Well, I can't mime either. So here we are trying to explain how, um, how much this game means to me. But we've heard a lot about what people think about it. The game's been covered to death. I'm two months late from covering it. And that is a strange experience for me personally because typically we cover these games maybe... I might might record an episode a day or two after the game comes out, have the weekend with it, or maybe at most have a week with it if I'm recording the episode towards the end of the week and the game came out Friday. But for me, this is a game that came out two months ago and you know the hype was huge leading up to it and even weeks after the game come out, people are posting on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, all of the marvelous creations they've made, all the wacky things they're getting up into the overworld. And even that now has died down, even on my Twitter feed or X feed. Jesus Christ, I don't, there's a tangent to go on. What the fuck is Elon Musk doing with Twitter? Mm. But there's all, all of that is um, it's just a little bit strange, but I haven't uh, haven't been there for for covering it necessarily, which um, which is different for me. And um, I think in some ways I can cover it in a different angle because I've, I'm not just going to gush about it because of, um, of the hype cycle that I'm entrenched in. I've, I've had a lot of time to think about this game. I haven't played it for probably over a month. Um, I finished the game and I've been in a bit of a gaming rut since only playing a couple of 2D, 2D platformers just to sort of, um, I guess, uh, play something different that wasn't so... Um, time-consuming, let's say. But everything um, that is said about the game in the reviews that dropped soon as the game launched, I 100% agree, agree with. This is a 10 out of 10 video game. This is one of the best games I've ever played, and it's certainly one of my favorite games of all time, up there with Mario Galaxy 2, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, and Last of Us Part 2. And it was sort of interesting the lead-up to this game because I truly expected so much from this it was the sequel to the best if not one of the most important nintendo games to ever release breath of the wild saved nintendo it put the switch on the trajectory that it is on now and um i I truly believe that um nintendo really needed a massive game to hit like that and breath of the wild was what it needed especially after such a stagnant formula the legend of zelda had in its 2d or sorry 3d iterations 
Um, it was important. So having a sequel to that game was just absolutely tremendous. And what I was expecting, um, it just doubled as far as what we got. I um, I cannot talk more highly about this game and I absolutely love it. But we can talk about, I guess, all the things that might have been covered in other podcasts, content creators, reviewers, etc. where it's just like it's so impressive. It's running on Switch. Um, just like all of the design, everything going into it, what they've done on top of Breath of the Wild is just revolutionary as far as open world games go. And um, Zelda games especially, like what this has done for the series, the trajectory that it is now on um, from Breath of the Wild, but how it's just been stepped up by five. It's so impressive. It really is. But for me, this game means so much more than that. It means... It's a game that helped me in a really tough time, in a time that I needed something like this. I needed a light to be like, really help me, um, you know, be a supporter for my family. Because, well, before I get into this, I just want to mention that this is something that's quite personal to me and my family. But I do feel confident putting this here on the podcast because I do have a small audience and. You know, you guys are like family to me. You're like friends to me. You give me the, your time, your energy throughout the day. There's so many other places you could be, other things you could be listening to, but you choose to be here. So I uh, thank you. And also I just want to be 100% transparent with how I feel about the game, why I feel about the game, and, you know, where I've been as well, where I've been um, the last couple of months. Um, and uh, I have been provided a copy of this game by Nintendo Australia. But I did buy the game. I ended up giving the review code away to a very supportive listener who um, in the Discord mentioned that they couldn't uh, pick it up at launch. And uh, since, you know, they um, really helped me through some times. So I, you know, when I was able to help, I, um, I threw the code their way. So I hope they enjoyed it. I really do. It's um, a wonderful game. But um, going back on track, um, over the last couple of months, um, well, well, start of this year, we um, I, f- I found out the news that um, my uh, my mum um, had cancer, and you know, obviously, this was a, just a super hard thing to you know come to terms with. This is something that was really hard to um, to hear, and um, it was it's really tough, and probably starting a couple of months ago, I think even the day of releasing episode 250, um, that's when she started her treatment and she was in the city, um, you know, about four hours away um, to get her treatment. So that meant the responsibility of the farm and everything like that was, was on my shoulders. And I think what, what was really hard about it is like, obviously my mum, she's one of my favourite people in the world. She's one of my best friends. She's just um, someone who has impacted me and made me the person I am and is uh, just super strong, smart and all of those, all of those things. And it was, um, it was a, a, just a super hard time. You know, typically we've been very lucky with health in our family and now with my parents getting to the age they are in their 60s, it's starting to, you know, some things are starting to pop up and obviously that was one of the major things that um, was... Uh, was almost a life-altering altering illness. And I, I bring this up because I, um, I found out that another one of my friends was also going through through the same thing with their mum. And 
I, uh, I reached out to him and, you know, let him know that he's not alone. But, you know, this is something that um, a lot of people go through, whether it's themselves or parents or loved ones or friends. And I just want to, um, you know, let anyone out there who's gone through a similar thing just like know that, uh, that you're not alone. But yeah, it was a real difficult thing and becoming a becoming a dad um last year, it was really it was really hard just like thinking like what if my, my son like doesn't remember my mum, someone who's so influential to me and I remember like my grandparents were so influential to me as well. Even though that like my my mum's parents passed away when I was really young, they still had um a lot of influence over me and I really appreciate the time that I spent with them. So that that that's what scared me the most was just um obviously just the fear of um losing my mum but the idea of my my son Lucas not um not remembering her would have been would have been heartbreaking. Skip forward to now the treatment's um been a success and everything's on the up and up. It's um it's a, it's a success story. So that's why I'm able to talk about it here without any you know tears or anything like that. But um the last couple of months man it's been really tough. And there's been no point in my life where I felt more of an adult than probably, I don't know, like the previous months this year. Whereas, you know, maybe if you're sick or you feel depressed or something like that, you just stay in bed and you're like, oh, look, I'll, <laughs> I'll think about it tomorrow. But there is no tomorrow when it comes to, um, you know, being there for your family, whether it is my parents or my wife or my son. You know, I need to be that role model to stand up and, um, you know, be the rock for you know, these situations. Whereas, you know, that's the man I want to be. I want to be the, the strong man who's a great role model and um, supportive husband. And um, while while I had a great support network, I, I really, really needed something to um, be able to reach out and just pull me up from a hole. I, I just felt like I was in a hole and I could see the sky. I was fine. But if I stay there too long, you know, I'm going to be covered in by dirt and um, trapped. And three years ago when the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom got announced at E3, I never thought that it was going to drop at just a perfect time in my life where I really needed the support of, um, of a video game. And there are games that come and go. There's many, many great games, but we always think back to particular games in our life, whether it was, whether it was our very first game we played when we were a kid or another life event that we can point to. A lot of people point to multiplayer games at college, and maybe Mario 64 when you were a kid, or one of the Mario games. We always have these tempole games we can point to. Be like, oh, that was a great memory. You got nostalgia for it in some way or another. But there are also the games that come around at the time when it might be a breakup with a relationship. It might be a loss of a loved one. It might be something like I was going through. And for me, that was just, Tears of the Kingdom. It just fell at the right time. And I don't know if any other game that come along would have gotten me out of that rut more than Tears of the Kingdom did. Just with the amount of excitement I had for it and just how it exceeded my expectations in every level, it was exactly what I needed. And I'm just, I've never been so thankful for a group of developers than I am for Nintendo for releasing this game. This was just an absolutely tremendous game that I am so happy exists and um, I look forward to um, playing it for many more years. So for the first couple of weeks, I played it a heap. I played it for 75 hours. I know that's pretty uh, pretty much amateur 
for a lot of people out there who probably put, I don't know, 200 hours or 100 plus hours at this point. But um, I only played it for a couple of weeks, honestly. I played it for um, a couple of weeks, 75 hours, put my time into it, beat the last boss, um, did uh, 132 shrines, did a bunch of side quests. So I, I did heaps within the game, got plenty more to do. I still got a lot in the underground to do because I actually, <laughs> the underground scared me a bit. So that's probably where I spent the least time. But I put a bunch of time into it and it really um, sort of helped um, distract me and immerse me in the world of Hyrule and keep me um, keep me happy and sane, which, um, which was great. It really was. It's exactly exactly what I needed. Um, but for me, there were so many aspects of the game that I enjoy the most. I think um, straight off the bat, it would be the story. The story really blew me away in many aspects. There were times where I was wrapping up the game at 3 o'clock in the morning. So, all right, it's 3 o'clock, I've got to go to bed. And I was doing certain things. Well, look, I'll just do this certain point. And 3 o'clock comes around and a story moment happens and my jaw just drops and it wasn't until the cutscene finishes I just like realized my mouth's open thinking to myself my god it was did that just happen that was like one of the best moments in the Zelda series it was awesome and um you know obviously I'm not even going to allude to it for spoilers and stuff like that I actually want to do an encore just discussing this moment in a spoiler filled way so stay tuned for that if you're interested in hearing that without the spoilers. I'm sure a lot of people um, who listen to this have probably experienced a lot of it, but I know, <laughs> I, I hear um, people also like haven't even like barely touched the story, even at this point, like 200 hours in. I don't know how you did that. I was so just excited by the story. I couldn't get enough. Um, but it just shows how uh, different people like different play styles. But yeah, the, the story blew me away. I loved it from the very start, stepping into the chasm, going down with Zelda, getting the story, what's been going on between Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom and how that uncovers and Ganondorf zapping your power away, smashing the Master Sword and Zelda going back in time. The intrigue was set off straight away. I wanted to know what's happening and um, up in the Sky Island where you're doing the tutorial, I was actually like doing that relatively, relatively fast. I just wanted to see what happened. Um, but of course you don't really get that much context. You go down to Hyrule and you can do whatever you want there. And for me, I just got smashed like with my three hearts so much, like one hit so many times. So a lot of my uh, time in between story was grinding shrines. I was grinding shrines. I, so I maxed out my stamina, got, I think I got like 36 hearts by the, by, um, by the time I wrapped up the game. So I was very focused on doing that and side quests in between when I come across them. And I think the side quests in this game are really good. Some have great stories and some are just fun to do and um, really tie in well to your like abilities with Ultra Hand. And um, I really, um, really enjoyed that. So the story was top notch and has some of the best moments in the Legend of Zelda series. Um, some of the best moments in Nintendo outright, straight off the bat. And honestly, for me, like probably, I don't know, top three best moment in gaming ever like truly it's um it's up there for me i i haven't really heard many people like just like rave about the story it's been a lot better a lot of the other aspects for the more gameplay orientated which is fair enough because these games are just focused around gameplay and then the story comes around later but um i i was truly just impressed with the story 
it might not be for everyone. It's not linear. You've got to piece it together. You might need context from Breath of the Wild. And I do understand that some people might not be like big Legend of Zelda um, nuts like me. Like I'm pretty tame to some compared to some people, but you know, I, I was really interested in all the minutiae when it came to Breath of the Wild, what happened before Link Awakens and what happens in between. And even like Age of Calamity, the Muso game where it has like a different take on what happens if a little event happens differently. I was, um, I, I loved all of that. So when it came to Tears of the Kingdom, I was just eating up every little bit, you know, what, you know, what Ganondorf's up to what the temples are doing in Tears of the Kingdom and what's what are you doing there? And when I found out what you're doing in these temples, what the main goal of like, you know, getting these sacred stones was, I was just like, I was blown back by that, being a big fan of Ocarina of Time and um, and uh, Twilight Princess. There's, a, there's so much to love when it comes to just the story and lore, everything to do with the game. But I think most people, they're just going to be there for the gameplay. And the gameplay is vastly improved from Breath of the Wild. Not really like the sword combat. Obviously, that's very much the same. Pretty standard. In some ways, that's one of the aspects of the game. I would actually like to see improved in a, you know, in another game. Um, because I really enjoyed, like in Twilight Princess, how you could do like the different maneuvers that you learn from the previous Link. Where you can like, you know, roll around them, hit them from the back, jump over them and hit them while you're doing a forward flip over them. I thought like all of those combat mechanics were a lot of fun. And even the motion controls, hey, like, you know, you use a, was a shield bash. You like, you do the nunchuck forward and you like, you knock them off and you, you can hit them with your sword. I thought that was a lot of fun. So I'd like to see a few more dynamic things like that into um, Tears of the Kingdom. But a lot of the dynamic sort of stuff of the combat comes from, you know, using your abilities. So Ultra Hand, where you can sort of make anything in the world with a lot of people doing some really impressive customization within the world. Uh, for me, it's very much just like put down a log, put on a sail and that's my boat or I just put two fans together in a, and a, a, what do you call it? A steering mechanism <laughs> and you're able to fly around. Like I, I'm, I just do the basics, but it's awesome seeing people online just like making automated mechs to just go and take down these bases. I thought that was really smart how um, people are using it, but it wasn't really what I'm into. And even going into the game, that's the part of the game that really sort of like, you know, made me a little bit anxious. Like, oh God, I don't know if I want to be doing this. But Nintendo did a really good job sort of making it accessible for anyone. And even to the point where you can just make something that's utilized, that you can use and it doesn't have to be too over the top. But you can also just make just incredible things. I think Game Explain made like, like a massive stick. <laughs> where you could just like climb it all the way up to an island. It's like stuff like that. It's like the Switch hardware can handle that. That is nuts how this game is optimized. It's just insane. Um, but it is um, just really impressive just um, what this game's done. And I loved the exploration in this game. There's, you're coming across something all the time, whether it's just a point of interest that's nice to look at or it's enemy camp or it's a shrine or it's a well that you can go down into, or it's a side quest. There's so much going together. And what I do find impressive about it as well is that it's not just... A lot of games are fun. They have a good loop where you can sort of see the loop you go on. And like, oh, look, you do this thing, you get money, you come back, you buy upgrades, and it's and then rinse and repeat. It's a loop. You can see it. Like, you can see the game design right in front of you. Whereas, you know, you can see the game design in Tears of the Kingdom too. Obviously, you're going to shrines, you get, you're get you cashing them in, you're getting up your hearts. 
But apart from that, that little upgrade circle, and maybe the weapons too, how you're constantly getting them and fusing them together, it's a little bit more unclear because you're constantly going in between side quests and exploration and hunting and gathering. Like it, you, you're always doing something different. It's not always in the same order. It's just whatever order you come across it. And the world always seems to reward you depending on where it is, whether you're doing a Korok, you're helping them find their friends or, you know, there's always something to do. And that's a criticism that Breath of the Wild got for being too empty, not enough to do. But I never got that criticism personally for me with Breath of the Wild because there's, I didn't see why it's a bad thing having an open space and just like running through it and gathering some things and maybe hitting a fox and then over the hill, you might see something there. But what's so bad about this world that's been just desolated and people trying to rebuild. I don't understand why that was a bad thing, but I don't know, each to their own. I'm sure um, there's a game for everyone out there and this is just one of them. Everyone has different tastes, but personally for me, actually, I really, I really explore exploring, I really explore, I really like exploring open green areas. So I guess it's kind of right up my alley, even to the point where the first time you go to Rito village and it's all covered in snow uh, I was like, oh God, I don't want to go here. So <laughs> go back to the other area. It's a, it's a lot of sunshine and rainbows over there compared to, uh, you know, some of these other areas that have been affected by snow or, you know, volcanoes erupting or whatever have you. But um, yeah, just, um, just a tremendous game. There's so much I can talk about and I'm sure a lot of it's already been talked about before. But what's um, what I found really interesting is just the fact that Nintendo they looked at what people were doing with Breath of the Wild when people were playing that. And you can say that in Tears of the Kingdom because in Tears of the Kingdom, you are doing things like pro players were doing in Breath of the Wild. Whereas in Breath of the Wild, you know, they use stasis, they throw themselves like on a rock on, onto like half the map. But in this, it's just like a simple gameplay mechanic you're being taught in the tutorial area where you just like go on a glider and you just glide down. And that would just be like a massive like awesome thing to do in Breath of the Wild, but you can do just so many more impressive things in Tears of the Kingdom, which is a lot of fun. But then it also steps it up. Like those pro players, they're doing even more incredible things with more impressive um, contraptions that they've made, which is interesting. Uh, I hear some complaints about the controls. The controls are um, a little bit cumbersome, but I never had a problem with personally, but I can understand like why... Like you hold in L, hold down, and then you can select something, then throw it. Like there's a lot to do just to do some simple actions, but there was so much sort of compact into the controls that, um, you know, I, I can't really come up with a better use of um, the buttons myself. Even to the point where at, at uh, first, it's a little bit strange because you're jumping on the X button. Typically games make you jump with the B or A button. But I do see why they put it on the X button. Just get it, get it out the way. It's the thing you're use, using the least. And um, the fact that you can't remap it as well. I can imagine just like doing like a simple remap of like just something like jump or even swing your sword. It would like throw it off. Like if, if you <laughs> when it comes up with a tutorial to like um, be down to throw something, you know, it, it'll throw off like sim- maybe simple actions like that. So but there are definitely some accessibility options that need to be added to Nintendo games. They are by far the ones who are the worst at adding accessibility to their games. And I say that as someone who's like, this game helped me through a very tough time. But there are people out there who have their tough times as in like, oh, they've just broken their hand, they've broken their arm, 
or maybe they just lived with a disability since they were born. Um, I would love people um, with those disabilities to experience an amazing game like this. And Nintendo makes it hard for a lot of their titles. And this conversation sort of came up to me back in 2018 when Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee came out and there was no sort of accessibility options just to throw the Pokeball with a button or a joystick in handheld mode. No, in handheld mode, it was fine. It was on the TV. You had to use motion controls. And typically that series was really great for people with disabilities because it was just selecting stuff with the D-pad, pressing A or B, and that's it. And you're able to, you know, use different controllers or just use a finger to do um, the movements or, you know, whatever appendage you have. So that's something that really stood out to me. So I would love to see Nintendo open up their accessibility because their games are made for the biggest range of people out of any gaming company. Um, So I would like to see those options added, but it's also something they got to put a lot of thought into, but I don't know. Is that such a bad thing? Put some thought into it. (laughs) But apart from that, man, I don't have any sort of gripes with the game. The game looks and runs great on Switch. I absolutely loved seeing the developers sort of froth over like the, the physics of the bridge, how it all interacts. And I actually came across that shrine where you've got to like attach the bridge to the other side to walk over it and you use ultra hand to manipulate it. And for anyone that hasn't done the shrine or come across those bits, it's basically like a bridge. Every, every plank is unique and you can pick up each plank with um, ultra hand and then, um, you know, attach it to the other side. And when I did it, I'm like, well, this is really impressive. I don't think I've ever like done this in a game. I like, just had this bridge that's like you can pick up any bit and attach it or whatever. And to me, that was impressive. But it wasn't until like I actually heard from actual game designers who were just like, is this real? <laughs> like on, on any console, PC or anything, it would be impressive. But the fact that it's on Switch, which is a six-old or six-year-old piece of hardware where the main chip powering it is the Tegra X chip that um, was in devices in 2014. So just super impressive, just technically. And um, like I mentioned before, it really sort of changed my tune when it comes to Nintendo hardware. If they can make experiences like this on hardware like the Switch, um, look, if, if they've got talent like that, they can make it on a toaster. They can, <laughs> like Honestly, they can make games on whatever they like. Um, but obviously when it comes to third-party support, that's when it gets tough because a lot of developers don't have the luxury of being like, oh, look, we're going to just master this hardware and we're going to just make an awesome game. So like they've got to make games across all of these platforms and when it comes to fitting it down onto Switch or another future Nintendo console, that's when it's tough. Um, so it might be a trade-off there. But um, just a really tremendous game and I cannot sort of emphasize how impressive it is and how important it was to me. It's one of the most important games I've ever played um, just with how much enjoyment I got out of it and the time of my life that it hit and, um, you know, just a real um, tough time. But it got me through and it ultimately led to me being able to, um, you know, be a, be a better father, son and husband. So just a massive gratitude to everybody at Nintendo who's uh, been a part of this game. And... Um, yeah, it's not like uh, they made it just for me. They made, well, they sold 10 million copies in three days. Making a good amount of money, but I've never been so happy to see um, a publisher be rewarded for its efforts. This is a game that got delayed because they just wanted to polish it for a year, and it shows, man. There wasn't many problems apart from like the duplication glitch, which uh, people actually enjoy, people actually liked because uh, speedrunners were like, oh my God, we can 
we can use this and really break the game. But um, when it comes to actually playing the game and getting crashes or anything like that, no, nothing, nothing. Which uh, is just a, a just a triumph, just in technical aspect in every way. So yeah, absolutely fantastic. Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. Don't know. We've got to think about it a little bit more. But I've already been thinking about it for weeks and weeks. I think it's I think it's my favorite video game. And um, to say that as a 29 year old in 2023, um, to beat the games that have uh, just drenched in nostalgia at this point, like Mario 64, the Mario, obviously all the Mario games, even like Twilight Princess and uh, Breath of the Wild. That's a big feat. Because even with uh, Breath of the Wild, I didn't feel like it beat Twilight Princess for me. I had too much nostalgia for Twilight Princess. That was the game where, that was like my first action adventure game that I owned and I played at home. A lot of like games where I was playing like GTA or stuff on PS2 or Nintendo 64, it was all like multiplayer stuff. And it wasn't until like a, my first console, the Wii, like the Wii, where I actually sat down and enjoyed just a really long, awesome action adventure game. So, I, you know, a lot of nostalgia and um, respect for Twilight Princess. And I think the dungeon design in Twilight Princess was just masterful and still hasn't been out, outdone um, in the Zelda franchise, including Tears of the Kingdom. So when it came to leveling that up with Breath of the Wild, they were just different. They were just different. There wasn't too many comparisons I could make. But uh, this one, this one beats it. It's my favorite Zelda game. Might be my favorite game of all time. Not quite sure. But um, awesome stuff. Love it. Okay. Let's move on to iDruby's 2023 Gaming Challenge. And this is just, uh, I've pretty much been doing this all year anyway, but just talking about the games that I've beaten throughout the year. And at the very start of the year, I set myself a goal for 24 games completed in 2023. And um, I've done that. I've done 24 games. Uh, I did that, oh, I don't know, a month ago or so now. But I've been in the gaming rut and I haven't been playing many games. And I was aiming to like double that, go to 50 games whether it was like a games that take an hour to beat or even games like Persona 5 where you know they're 100 and so hours. I was going to sort of balance that and try and get that. But now that I've sort of dilly-dallied for a couple of months since beating The Legend of Zelda, not sure. But I'm going to aim for a high score. Let's aim for 40-something games. That would be pretty cool to beat, whether it's older games or new games coming out. That's my goal. So obviously, was it a... I've got to try and remember off the top of my head. I think the 22nd game I beat was Legend of Zelda Twiz. Twiz. <laughs> it's Twiz. <laughs> sounds, like sounds like a chocolate bar. Twiz. I don't know. Um, Tears of the Kingdom was the 22nd game I beat in 2023. Fantastic. Talked about that enough. Um, then uh, the 23rd game I beat was Super Mario Advance when they released this on Nintendo Switch Online. Really enjoyed this game. Um, but i got to say, it's by far the worst Mario game. And I know people might point out that maybe the advanced version isn't the best version to go back to. Probably point out like the original NES version or the Super Nintendo version, a part of Mario All-Stars. But I have a big nostalgia for the Game Boy Advance and especially the Mario Advanced versions. So I was actually waiting for the Mario Advanced versions to come to Nintendo Switch Online to play through Mario Bros. 2. And it was interesting because when I was playing it, I was sort of thinking to myself like, did I actually play this when I was a kid? So I played it, but did I beat it? I, c I couldn't remember. So I'm going to go off the fact that I probably didn't. I probably just played it on virtual console and emulation and all of those things again and again and again, but I just played like the first couple of worlds and that was it. But 
I finally beat it <laughs> as a, as an adult. And uh, yeah, it's definitely the worst Mario game. You, I, you can see that it originally was not a Mario game. You know, the fact that it came out in the US as Mario Brothers 2 instead of the true Super Mario Brothers 2, which is just a harder version. And um, I think that was actually kind of a smart, uh, smart business call to make back in the day. You know, make it look completely different from a marketing point of view, as well as, you know, make it a bit easier to, um, you know, for kids and those silly Western kids like myself who wouldn't have been able to finish it, even though I was not born <laughs> when it came out. What was I? I might have been. I can't remember what time. I can't remember the year Super Mario Brothers 2 came out, top of my head. But um, I, I can't say I enjoyed it all that much. I didn't enjoy the the main mechanic of picking up enemies and throwing them, doing the Birdo, you know, mini boss battle again and again. Even like the segments where you've got to pick up a key and you're kind of defenseless and you've got to get down and unlock. I didn't, um, it didn't, uh, you know, scratch the itch of a Mario game for me. It just felt like a, another platformer. Which, you know, like I mentioned, it, it, it kind of is. It really is. But um, I think uh, just the whole sort of vibe of the game is really fun. I like how you got all the different playable characters. And even the enemies that originate from this game, you know, being Shy Guys, Birdo, um, there's, there's many more. But they're, they're the biggest ones, especially Shy Guy. Shy Guy is probably like one of the more noticeable enemies, like right next to Goombas and Bullet Bills and Coopers. So pretty cool that they were introduced in this game and that they were never originally actually <laughs> a Mario um, enemy. But yeah, I didn't enjoy it that much, but I'm glad that I finally played it. And the advanced version was fun. It was fun to play through. I liked the voice acting in these advanced versions and uh, playing them that way. But the main game that I was really excited to get to was Super Mario World Super Mario Advance 2, which was a game I have heaps of nostalgia for just so much nostalgia for this was my first mario game i ever bought um probably the first platformer mario game i played like i probably i think i got hooked on mario through mario kart 64 playing at friends birthdays and all of that but when i got my game Boy advance it was for pokemon got it with pokemon sapphire and i probably i think i went on to get like a heart not, not heart gold um fire red leaf green and uh, played pokemon pinball but i just I thought to myself, like, I probably actually need to get a Mario game. I've got a Mario, oh, a Nintendo console. I should really actually pick up a Mario title. So I went, as a kid, I would have been probably 10 years old. And I went to the local mom and pop shop, went in there. And I was just looking at the Game Boy Advance games. I had I had money to spend. I was all cashed up. I had my Milo tin full of cash. And I was looking around, like, you know, what game should I put, pick up? And I remember, you know, seeing the Mario World box, having Mario with the cape, the feather, riding Yoshi and looking back at at the camera, I guess, at you. And I remember that really catching me because Yoshi is my favorite character um, in the Mario universe. And it just caught my eye straight away. And obviously this was the game where Yoshi originated. Um, so it caught my eye straight away. I wasn't going to get Mario Brothers 3 or any other of the advanced versions or any other Mario game on the Game Boy Advance. I picked World and honestly... This was probably the last game where I actually picked it purely on box art and the back of the box. Because, uh, you know, uh, it was sort of Mario that sort of kicked me into not just playing Pokemon, but also playing um, other games. I didn't play too many other games on Game Boy Advance at the time. I, I had a Digimon game and I got like some Simpson games. Um, but yeah, but largely it was still a lot of Pokemon. But um, that was sort of the kickoff into like, trying other things within Nintendo and sort of left me on the on the course to trying other other video games just in general and 
ultimately getting an Xbox and PlayStation and everything else across Nintendo. So that was sort of my sort of leap out of just being a Pokemon kid as such. And that's when I sort of got into gaming magazines and reading up on games coming out. And I was a lot more informed after that when it came to my purchases. Um, Even if I knew the game wasn't that good. I remember, I think I was reading a review for Pokemon Pinball, Ruby and Sapphire. And I was like, the reviews, I don't know if they were that good, but I remember still getting it because I wanted it. But I knew. (laughs) That's a great game though. So I don't know if that's the example I'm thinking of. Maybe it's Mystery Dungeon. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. I remember they're getting like sixes. And when I actually got it and played it, I'm like, this is, this is like a 10 out of 10 for little 11-year-old Drew. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I bought it just purely off of the box art. And I remember it being so expensive. It was like $80 at the time. So just, you know, with inflation at the moment. So we're paying $80 now for Switch games. So $80 for a port of a Super Nintendo game on Game Boy Advance back in 2004 or 2005. Yeah, that was a very expensive game, especially for a kid who's, you know, just on pocket money or whatever. I'm not um I'm not working in the mines just yet at that age. Uh so I've just got such fond memories. Obviously, it was a massive purchase, put a lot of stake into it. I made that decision. I took it home, my very first Mario game, and it just it paid off in dividends. I I could not be happier with the purchase. It's um my favorite 2D Mario game. And I had a I remember it taking me ages to get through it and even like the final boss, you're versing Bowser in the in, in the clown car. I remember like struggling with it so much, not understanding what you do. And uh, my uh, Bryce, he actually <laughs> he he must have played it on a Super Nintendo, so he he basically beat it for me, showed me how to do it. And then um, I remember going back to it and just beating it just whenever I wanted. Actually, like learning how to do it, becoming pretty good at it. But it took me forever to do it. And it was funny going back to the version on Nintendo Switch Online. I can't remember the last time I played Mario World. It would have been, it could have even been playing as a kid on Game Boy Advance or you know even DS with backwards compatibility back when uh, that was a thing. So it was a long time and I, I was like, how long is it going to take me to beat it? Because I remember it being a pretty long game, but I ended up beating the game as an adult in about two hours. And I wasn't, I didn't do like a shortcut through Star Road or anything. I was just going through levels and beating them and, got to Bowser and it was a little bit of a maze in the last level to get to Bowser. And I'm like, Oh God, I can't remember. And I just like sort of fluked it and I got them. Oh, cool. (laughs) And uh, that was, um, that was it. I beat Bowser and that was, that was my game. That was my two hours sit down. It was nice. It was just a really nice nostalgic hit. And uh, yeah, and it's a wonderful game. And there's a debate between Mario world and super Mario brothers three. Look, there's no definitive answer like I mentioned with games that hit us at certain times in our lives, it just depends on probably your age and maybe your first Nintendo console, et cetera, et cetera. And for me, it's Mario world. It just, you know, it hit the right time of the advanced version on Game Boy Advance. Um, but I can see just all the, the pros to um, Mario brothers three. I love the vibe of Mario brothers three and just the short levels and the power ups are super unique. Even to this day, it's a, it's an awesome game. And with the box art with like Tanuki Mario on the front, that's very iconic. And that wasn't brought back into 3D uh, 3D Land on 3DS, which is so cool to play that in 3D. So yeah, no, there's just a um, massive amount of nostalgia for Super Mario Advance 2. And uh, I love the Mario, I love the advanced versions. Don't at me, don't care. I Look, technically, whatever, I'm sure that Super Mario 
world is better on Super Nintendo, but do I care? Do I want the Mario voice? You know, yeah, I do. I do. Do I like the, the Mario Bros. arcade game that's included on every advanced version? Yeah, I do. I do like that. I like that very much, actually. And having that on the TV now is awesome because I got the arcade archives version of the Mario Brothers series. Not the, not the series. I'm thinking of the cartoon now. Of the arcade game. And it's, it feels different. It's not the same to what I played on the advanced versions. It feels way more slippery and stuff on the actual arcade version. But um, the version on the advanced uh, advanced copies is really cool. I remember playing that um, on a bus when uh, I was over in a holiday in New Zealand and we were on a, well, actually on a, on a bus trip with, like, with a bunch of farmers going around different farms looking around. And a lot of my time just in between stops was playing the, the arcade version and seeing how far I can get. And it's funny playing it now with the rewind. You make like a little mistake. Like, oh, I'll just oh, look, look, no one's looking. I'm just going to go back. Hey, just rewind it, man. And uh, you can just go on forever. I was sitting, I was playing for like an hour, just like, I don't really, <laughs> you know, you don't die that much, but you know, you die a couple of times. Look, look yeah, like, re, re, rewind the tape there, Jim. So, yeah, no, I, I love these copies. So, um, yeah, definitely, definitely worth a look. If you have um, the sta- same love in your heart for Game Boy Advance as I do, go and check out the Advance copies. Go and check it out. But um, if you're a Super Nintendo stan, well, what am I going to do? Can't change your mind. I don't want to change your mind. Enjoy your life. Live it to your fullest potential, please. So, yes, now I'm up to 24 games completed. And um, between now and the next episode, I'm going to see if I can get another one in there. I'm going to get back on the get back on the horse. Pikmin 4 has been out for over a week. Haven't started it yet. Got Disney Illusion Island. And um, I think I'm going to jump into that one. I need something just uh, fun, colorful, you know, platformer, kind of simple. That is a Metroidvania, so I might get stuck. Who knows? Probably. It's made for kids, so hopefully that made it easy enough for Drew to get back into his gaming jive. But looking forward to it. Maybe talking about those next week. All right. Let's talk about the... Uh, well, let's not talk about it, but let's get into the Guru Geek Out. This is a tribute to my late friend, Bobby Pauls, a Nintendo guru. And uh, for my geek out this week, I want to talk about my trip to Avcon last weekend. And this is the first time Avcon has been on since 2019, so four years. So COVID uh, really uh, put a put a bloody, bloody spanner in the works. Uh, I remember they were trying to get it up and sorted last year, but um, it was no go. But for those outside the state, which is pretty much everyone, Avcon is an anime and video game convention held in Adelaide, Australia, usually once a year. Hopefully it will be from now on. And uh, I actually knew nothing about it. I just knew that it was coming out this, or it was happening the same weekend as Pikmin 4. So I was able to keep that in my head and uh, make sure. And actually lined up really well with a trip to the city for a family outing as well. So lined up pretty well. So I was able to go up there, met up with some friends. Josh from Nintendvania joined me one day, Seamus Mullins and uh, my good friend Dan. So it was really great to catch up with some mates. And um, just check out the convention again. And I actually went um, the second day with my wife and son. So that was my son's first convention. And um, yeah, that was something. Uh, like I put him down to like run around for a bit. And he just like runs up to like one of the indie developers signs and starts smacking it and tries to tear it down. I'm like, yeah, right. <sighs> Might pick you up again, mate. Back in the pram there, buddy. But um, the first day was great. So it was really nice just to be back in the area. But it's different because like... I'll, this convention is very much anime focused and previous years 
Uh, they have a bunch of theatres throughout the convention centre where you can actually go in and see anime screenings, which is really cool uh, to see like brand new anime, or maybe some older favourites. And you just go in there and watch anime. Maybe you've got some sore legs, you just want to sit down, stretch out a bit and um, watch some anime. And I actually got back into anime a little bit over the last couple of months since I haven't been playing many games. I've actually been watching a lot of TV and starting a, a few anime series got a subscription to Crunchyroll and uh, been watching the Atelier Riser anime, which is actually really cool. It goes over the events of the first Atelier game, um, which is great if you want to jump into the third game and get caught up on some of the back, uh, backstory. Definitely go and check that out. And I've also um, been watching the Digimon anime from 2020, which is a basically a remake of the original Digimon series back in, um, I thought it was like 1995 or whenever it came. No, 1999 when it came out. Which is, which is the Digimon anime that I really loved. And I was watching that at the same time I was watching Pokemon. So very nostalgic sort of thing for me. So I was keen to sort of find out more about anime, but they didn't have those screenings this year. It was very much brought back to just a show floor with merchandise, a few, um, like there's an area with like a bunch of game stations you can go and play games at with its free play, tournaments, and um, just place to hang out and then there's a massive area for board games and there's a, like a, a central stage where they had a sort of a handful of panels not too many nothing compared to packs or maybe another convention you've gone to but you know a decent amount they sort of like you sit there and listen to a little bit there weren't any that really stood out to me necessarily because i wasn't into cosplay or maybe some of the anime that the voice actors were um, participating in the event in so i didn't check out that a whole lot but I've got to admit, I was a little bit disappointed by the lack of anime screenings. I would have liked to see a little bit, um, a little bit more as far as that goes. Because in other years, I actually didn't utilize the the, the theater experience, and now now that I've actually wanted to do it, it, there wasn't much to do. So a little bit of a shame. Um, but there's plenty of stalls there, there's stuff to do. But ultimately, yeah, there wasn't that much anime apart from stuff you could buy, which is a bit of a shame. And the video game side of things was like a Super Smash Brothers, um, the Super Smash Brothers tournament. I entered a tournament and uh, I hadn't played in a long time. So I sat down, had a bit of a practice thing. I got beaten by um, someone and a couple of other boys rocked up and I was able to beat them. So that was that was cool. That made me feel a little bit good. And when the actual time came, my opponent didn't rock up. So I actually went through straight away to the second match. And I'm like, oh, cool. Look, I'm actually... But then I was like, wait, I haven't had a warm-up like with round one and now I'm going to be versing someone who has won a match. So they are going to be serious and uh, I'm going to go in with like um, not, not much going on. So my, the match finally comes. I, I sort of reach over to shake hands with this, uh, the bloke I'm versing. And you know, th- this was just a fun casual experience for me, but for the bloke who I was versing, maybe not so casual. I basically put up my hand for a handshake. It's like, all right, mate, let's uh, even do a handshake. I can't remember. But I, I said, Hey mate, how you going? He's like, good then he put his headphones on and <laughs> i'm like yeah right so you know i was expecting just like you know it'd be great just to meet some people who love super smash brothers but this guy was like don't want to fucking talk headphones on you're 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 dead mate i'm like all right so yeah i proceeded to get my ass whooped by this bloke he was playing as pikachu i was uh, i was mario i could not even get a bloody hit in and um look i don't i don't mind getting my ass kicked but at the same time it's like you wouldn't even talk to me. You got your headphones on. I'm like, Christ almighty, what's the prize? What's the prize? Are we playing for sheep stations here? I don't think we are. We're playing for 
a plastic medal. I think they got a plastic medal, the bloke who won. Um, but you know, I guess it's just bragging, right? So he needs to say something to his mates. But that's what I, I don't get. Like, you know, you got the competitive nature. I, I get putting the headphones on to co- concentrate, but I don't. I didn't like the whole thing of being like not acknowledging, not saying hello <laughs> back, or just it was really weird. I don't know. It rubbed me the wrong way anyway, and it made the defeat feel a lot worse. Um, but that guy, he did go on to uh, basically be the runner-up for the whole tournament, so that's cool. I guess that made me feel a little bit better. It's not just some random bloke who got their ass whooped. So, yeah, good. <laughs> so that's kind of my experience. I was just hanging out with friends. I bought some stuff. I bought I bought some Digimon trading cards. Um, I got a Pokemon mouse pad. I don't know. I just got some random stuff that I probably didn't need, but they had the Digimon trading cards for um, 50 bucks instead of like 130. I'm like, yeah, I'll get some Digimon cards because um, I like Digimon. You know, I'm into Digimon apparently. Number one Digimon fan at the House of Mario. I, I'm, I'm number one fan for everything at the House of Mario these days, I guess. I don't know. Digimon, the training card game's cool. I just wish I could play with other people. Um, but yeah, that was my experience at Avcon. I hope it uh, sort of picks up over the next couple of years. I hope these uh, more events come back because they used to be it used to be so awesome just how community-focused Avcon was. Like They have like an opening ceremony. They had an auction where you go and they raise money for charity in a massive theatre the anime uh, um, screenings, a bunch of stuff you could do, but now it's just like a real real small show floor. And I hope that isn't just because they don't want to or it is because of COVID and, you know, obviously there's, I'm sure, a lot of polit- politics going on in the background, money that didn't generate over the last few years. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff like that, maybe similar to PAX where PAX, was, PAX wasn't as, as affected as Avcon, I would say, just in what you see, but... Definitely, um, definitely eye-opening, and I, um, I'll go again next year. It was fun. It was fun, but I might have been a bit disappointed if I went up, especially and paid accommodation. Um, but um, it was a great weekend anyway. It was great to take the family and have my son uh, hit some signs. And uh, just a shout out to a YouTube channel I found over the last couple of weeks as well, which um, I was actually looking up a review for a um, what's it, Insta three sixty Go three action camera, little camera you can put on your chest. I thought that'd be pretty cool for like recording you know, like uh, myself at work or, you know, just, just things with my son. It's like a little camera you can just like easily put places, which is pretty cool. But um, I came across the pun runner who did a review on it and he also does like running vlogs and things like that. And I've been meaning to get into running for a long time. I, I loved running in my early 20s. I loved doing it, but I just fell out of it. It was something that I fell out of. Um, but I've been meaning to get back into it and get my health back, especially since I haven't been playing sport. Um, anything like that. And I want to be like nice and fit when my son is old enough to be you know, running around and things like that. So I don't want to be the bigger, big bloated, big bloated Drew. So yeah, definitely, um, definitely something I've been looking to do. And he does absolutely great, great vlogs, just nice and short, does little puns at the start and lets you know, it's just real dad jokes, just makes you cringe, but it's a lot of fun. And he's got, when I found him, it was under 200 subscribers. Now he's just under 400. So I think his go three review, you know, got a lot of traffic and a lot of people found him that way. So just, you know, big shout out to the pun runner. I really enjoy his channel. Nice, small creator, just running and showing off running gear and giving running tips and things like that. And uh, running is sort of where my podcast is at at the moment too, where I was like, all right, I just need to get back into the routine. I need to get back into the routine of loving running and back into the routine of loving podcasting and just having a natural thing that is easy um, easy to do when I've got a bit of free time because uh, yeah it gets a little bit a uh, little bit hairy sometimes 
yeah, big shout out to the pun runner. All right, just before we wrap up the show, I want to just touch on um, the big sort of Nintendo Direct that came out. I don't want to talk about all the games far from it. I just want to talk about the games that are coming from Nintendo because we have some games that really made me go, yes, yes, fucking please. Um, <laughs> so just straight off the bat, the game that surprised me the most is WarioWare Move It. And it really surprised me because WarioWare is a series that I didn't expect to see again on Switch. And I don't know if that was really fair because there were a couple of games on um, other consoles. Was there two games on 3DS? There was just one on 3DS. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. There's a couple of on, on Game Boy Advance. One on Wii, one. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, typically they stick to one console. So I thought, well, we've get it together. They really sort of put together a different... <laughs> Jesus, I didn't mean to do that pun. Is that a pun? I don't know. I just said together twice. I... <laughs> I um I, yeah I just really didn't expect a, another WarioWare because with Get It Together they tried something really different. They gave you like all different characters, different abilities. Every ability affected the micro game different ways. There's so many characters and just the amount of testing and trial and error that they put together. Um, it's just actually really impressive. So I'm like, it wasn't necessarily what I wanted though, but I did appreciate um them trying something different and it and it was very good. But it just it wasn't what I wanted. I I really just wanted Smooth Moves too. Smooth Moves, it was so funny just seeing what you're seeing on screen. But also you're just laughing, playing with friends and holding like the Wiimote above your head or on your hips or like it's really physical humor as well as what's happening on the screen. And that's the advantage it had over the Game Boy Advance version, GameCube version, even um, even 3DS version where it's like, hey, look, it's on your screen. Like, oh, look, I've got to quickly like, um, I don't know, Pick Warriors, no, it's like, oh, get it up there. But on the Wii version, like, oh, no, and like, you, you know, you're holding the remote trying to trying to find his nose. And um, <laughs> yeah, the, my, my favorite one was uh, one of the boss battles. We're actually like doing a dance. I used to do that again and again. I don't know why, but I really liked it. I probably would have actually loved Just Dance, but I never gave it a go. And I never will. Um, but uh, yeah, Move It. It's just a sequel that I've always been waiting for. It's... Uh, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, is this, is this Smooth Moves 2? Even I guess now, like the name comes up saying Move It. I'm like, oh yes, it, it, it really is. And even in, in uh, um, uh, Japan where the game's called uh, Super 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 Smooth Moves. Yeah, it's just like crazy. Like what? All right, so we're getting that. So I cannot wait for that. That's November 3rd. So I cannot wait for WarioWare Move It. That's like probably one of my most anticipated games of the year. So I cannot wait. And uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder as well. Uh, there the are rumors that there's going to be a, a, a 2D Mario game. I think it made a lot of sense just for the market share that 2D, ge- 2D Mario games typically get, especially after the movie. A lot of people are going to be like looking for a game in the holiday season. It made sense. And I was just really hoping that it was going to be something different than the new Super Mario Brothers series. And early on, I really respect the new Super Mario Brothers series. There's nothing wrong with it. It's it's actually great. Like on DS, when they uh, uh, released the first one in 2005, like you got the triple jump, wall jump, ground pound. Like this was in, these were in the 3D games. They were never in the 2D games. So it was really cool to see it um, in the 2D Mario games and just the, the gameplay possibilities that that brought forward. And then the, the Wii version, it's like, well, fair enough. Use that. It was very popular on DS. And being able to utilize the new multiplayer feature that made a lot of sense. And that was pretty actually kind of revolutionary for 2D platformers and especially Mario platformers back when that came. It made a lot of sense. But moving to the next generation when it was the 3DS with New Super Mario Bros. 2, 
just did the coin mechanic, more of the same. It was fun. Like it's a Mario game. It's fun. It's, it's like Mario Brothers Two. Like you're gonna have you're gonna have fun, but it's like more of the same. If you play the other two, like do you need to rush out and buy it? No, definitely not. And I think uh, New Super Mario Brothers U, even though it's by far the best one, it was like all right, this is enough. Especially when we're expecting something with a little bit more kick, a little bit more unique flair when it's um sort of powering the launch of a brand new console. Um, but definitely 10 years on, we don't want a new Super Mario Brothers game. Like, even if we got uh, four Mario, Super Mario Worlds, for example. So that's great the first time, but the fourth time is a bit much. So it was great to see that uh, new Super Mario Brothers Wonder. From afar, it kind of looks similar to new Super Mario Brothers, but you zoom in, you see how much more animated it is, a very different art style, different mechanics. You see the animations of Mario. He's going through pipes, he's grabbing his hat, he's ground pound, his expressions on his face. It's just, oh, thank God, we've got some wonder, literally, back in the Mario franchise. And when you get the wonder seeds and it's just going nuts, it looks awesome. I cannot wait. Comes out the 20th of uh, was it October, 20th of October, the same day as Spider-Man 2 on PlayStation 5. So hell of a day for Drew, um, who loves his Nintendo and PlayStation. But um, yeah, man, looks great. I cannot wait for it. Cannot wait for it. Um, I, I do kind of wish it looked a little bit more different. I like something like drastic, like Rayman Legends, which is probably my favorite 2D platformer. Just it's beautiful. It looks awesome the way it's animated. I wish maybe they went a bit further into just how cartoony the game looks. But at the same time, I haven't played it. Maybe it looks. Um, maybe maybe I need to look at it again, and it'll be um, a lot more colourful. I don't know. We've got a remake of Super Mario RPG, which is which was kind of rumoured as well, because it was like, oh, there's gonna be a remake of a Super Nintendo game. And I this this was a this was a game I always played first few hours of and fell off. Uh, this typically happens with a lot of uh, a lot of retro games that I might have missed. You know, I, I dabble in them, but I don't jump right into them. Uh, but this is a great opportunity to now experience the full game. I was either waiting for a virtual console or Nintendo Switch Online to play it, but uh, we're getting a full full blown remake, so I guess they get uh, they get full price cash. So good on Nintendo. But it's interesting too because Super Mario RPG wasn't actually released in Australia; it was only Japan and North America. So even if I was older, I did have a Super Nintendo. I still might not have played this game until Virtual Console and it might have been in the same situation then, but very much looking forward to this game. I've, um, I'm in the mood for RPGs quite a lot this this year, especially like shorter ones, more in the 20 to 30 hour range. So very happy to have this in the arsenal of Nintendo Switch. Um, it looks great as, as far as how true to form they are with the Super Nintendo version. So very keen to check it out comes out the 17th of November. So November is going to be um, a little bit of a busy time here for me. And then we've got Detective Pikachu Returns. So got announced a long time ago, but it exists. And uh, from seeing it to it coming out, it's actually pretty quick as well. Like we, we've known about it for a long time, but know nothing about it. But now we're getting a release date on the 6th of October. And I've got to be honest, this game does nothing for me. I enjoyed Detective Pikachu. I enjoyed the movie like the story from the game into the movie and watching it, seeing the Pokemon world in a different light, especially like being live action, of course, but having like a Pikachu who's a detective and having like a more, like they're trying to get to the end of a case rather than become a Pokemon master or something like that. I really enjoyed that take. Um, but when it comes to this game, I'd rather just this be a movie, honestly. 
I, I, I'm not that really interested in like doing the gameplay, like the point and click type of stuff. And also the graphics, the graphics just, uh, I look at them and go, well, you know, it, it is a switch game. I, I don't want to be too hard on it necessarily, but it, it doesn't really inspire me to get too excited about it. So I'm not going to lie about that. Um, Detective Pikachu kind of does nothing for me. And will I be making time for it? Look, I don't, I've got to look at look what else is coming out around the start of October. But if anything else is that has my interest in a little bit more, I'll, I'll much rather jump into that. Because honestly, for me, I'd rather just watch this game as a let's play. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd rather just sit there and watch it and um, not interact with it. Um, and that's that's just that's just the truth. But it is what it is. Not every game is for me. I hope uh, you guys were looking forward to it. Really enjoy it. I think um, I think we'll have a lot to offer. It'll be a lot of fun. I've been waiting for it for a long time. So hopefully it lives up to that hype. Speaking of Pokemon, we got a trailer for the Hidden Treasure of Area Zero DLC, Pokemon Violet and Scarlet. Still no release date. I think we might be getting a Pokemon Presents soon. Soon? Question mark. Not quite sure, but um. Yeah, this didn't do too much for me either. Just, you know, Pokemon DLC, I really loved that they did it for Sword and Shield. Uh, I think it's a much better option than doing a third version. I don't think you'll get away with just doing a third version uh, anymore, which is probably why they've done DLC since Sword and um, Shield. But it's just the whole thing with Scarlet and Violet. Look, I like I like the game, but it's just so broken and technically fucked that the idea of spending more money on it and um, playing it again, it's just like, absolutely not. No. Like, will it, if there's a big fix that just like fixes a lot of the technical issues with the DLC, it's like, yeah, I guess, but we haven't got it yet and we're probably not going to get it. You know, just Game Freak just, just doesn't go back and support their games apart from stuff they're trying to sell. So just like a technical fix when the game's selling so well, it's just not going to happen. It never was going to happen. And... Um, it hasn't happened yet. So, yeah, I don't know. I would like to play it just to keep up to date with the Pokemon series. I've played every game in the series. I just want to know, you know, what it's like. I'll have it in my own head, in my little memory bank to compare it to previous games and um, be able to talk about it on the show, do a Nintendo podcast. So um, as many of these games I can play, I will. But I just, I don't feel like supporting like a company that's just put out like just just literally the bare minimum not creatively i think creatively scarlet and violet are really good um like the the wrap-up of the story i think the open world was fun maybe it was just uh experiencing the new pokemon but i think a lot of things they did in scarlet and violet were were quite good creatively it's just it's just when it came together with like the engine and how it ran and you're seeing like the lighting flickering and stuttering and oh god christ and even like the boxes lag and just what don't know bit of a shame but that comes out later this year anyway but that's pretty much uh that's pretty much the nintendo games that are coming out this year so we're getting uh we've got a couple of months off but we do have a couple in november then october is looking pretty hectic as well and we're just off the off the bat of um pikmin 4 which is uh which i still need to get to so bunch of awesome stuff to get to really excited about it all cannot wait but um that brace that basically brings us to the end of the house mario um Next week, I will be taking questions to answer in this segment called Hear From The Housemates. Love to hear from you. Um, anything about the show, about what you've been playing, Nintendo, anything within the gaming industry at large. Love to hear your questions, topics, all of that. But be sure to leave that on my Twitter or the Discord if you're interested in leaving it there. 
But um, just before we head off, we've got Doug Bowser's hot take. And um, this is where Doug Bowser, president of Nintendo America, he has some hot takes. And personally for me, I don't know if I agree with him, but he just like he just dishes them out. But I've, I'm the one who's got to defend him. I'm the one here at the House of Mario who has to defend a bloody hot take. So this week, the hot take is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe didn't innovate enough compared to its predecessor, Mario Kart 8. And um, you might ask yourself, Drew, that was just a deluxe version of Mario Kart 8. Why would it be any different? Well, well, I agree with that, but this is my take, mate. This is someone else's take, so let's get into it. So one, oh, God, I should probably do a, I think I need to do a, uh, um, <laughs> a timer. <laughs> trying to open my iPad. It will not open. Doesn't recognize my face. Has my face changed since I've been doing the show? Has something happened? Has my face fallen off? I think it might have. Might have sagged a bit. <laughs> sagged a bit. All right. All right. One, two, three. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe didn't innovate compared to its predecessor, Mario Kart 8. And typically within the Mario Kart series, we see a lot of just innovation between um, <laughs> between Mario Kart games. Well, the first game, Super Mario Kart, saw just awesome 3D, sort of sort of 3D graphics. But then we jumped to Mario Kart 64 using the four 64-bit console, full 3D, new characters, awesome battle mode, Block Fort. Who can forget Block Fort? And every game since always added something completely new. Even from Mario Kart Wii to Mario Kart 8, we saw a massive change just in just the ability to be able to drive on walls and use anti-gravity. But with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, nothing changed. They just added the ability to use two items at once and put in the DLC and put it on Switch and said, hey, look, you didn't play it the first time, so bloody play it now, you bloody bastards. And that's, uh, that's the minute, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to my hot take, which was not mine. But that brings us to the end of the House of Mario episode 251. I want to thank you guys very much for listening to the show. I really enjoyed doing it. It's nice to be back. Um, let me know what you thought of the episode with the hashtag Legend of Drew. Let me know your favorite moment in the Tears of the Kingdom. Spoiler free, of course. Um, you can reach out to me on social media. You can join me on the Discord server. Links in the show notes. But until then, guys, the doors to the house of Mario, they're closed. Catch you later. The house of Mario is recorded in the southeast of South Australia. A massive shout out to those who support me at the Patreon mega tier at patreon.com slash idruby. Brendan Myers, Oliver Chaston, Samuel Hay, DJ and Lemonade. Thank you.